0: The Center for Positive Marketing at Fordham University is preparing for a conference that will focus on a central theme, improving the world around us through marketing. Good morning. I'm Robin Shannon, and this is Fordham Conversations. Today, I'm talking with Fordham professors Lurzon Axoy and Dawn Lerman. Both are here to discuss the upcoming conference and the future of marketing in what some consider a world of consumer doubt. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Good morning.
0: So let's start off. Who would like to tell me about some of the highlights of the conference, or what specifically? What's the conference about, Dawn? Well, the,
1: the conference is it takes a look at uh, how how the practice of marketing uh, impacts not only firms and consumers but also society at large. Uh, and it's actually divided into two parts. The first event is an evening event, January 14th, uh, and that event is uh, really geared around uh, current marketing practice. Every year, we give an award to a high-level marketing executive who embodies the ideals of positive marketing. This year's award winner is Salman Amin, SVP and Global CMO of PepsiCo. and He will be delivering a keynote address uh, on sustainable business growth, or what PepsiCo calls performance with purpose
0: and what specifically about him or about his his policies demonstrate the ideals of positive marketing what has he done or what has his company done or what has he done for his company Mm -hmm.
1: PepsiCo has has actually been in the process of uh, transforming itself and also transforming the the food industry and consumers relationship with food uh, food and beverage, I should say, most people know PepsiCo as a soda company, uh, but PepsiCo actually owns a lot of uh, brands that we would consider helpful brands, uh, like muller's uh, Yogurt, which is a, a Greek yogurt brands that you 'll find in the supermarkets. they own sobe uh, they own there seems uh, to
0: be a big market for now for for yogurt. supposed to be better for you, the Greek yogurt.
1: A- Absolutely. In fact, you just used the term uh, better for you. <laughs> PepsiCo devi- has come to divide their uh, products or their their brands into two general categories, good for you and fun for you.
0: I wanted to highlight a few more areas of the conference in general, and then we'll get into specifics. So who wants to tackle that?
2: Um, sure. Um, the second day uh, following the evening that uh, that Don just described, Uh, We're going to have a full day of uh, academic presentations. So these will be uh, academics who are actually working in the area of positive marketing, who have submitted papers for the purposes of coming to the conference and presenting it and sharing their ideas uh, with others. Um, And we actually have uh, quite a
1: large group of uh, academics, and they're actually from all over the world. Uh, I would add that what we encourage researchers to do when they present at our conference is to look at the implications for multiple stakeholders. So we're very much interested in the implications of our research for marketing practice uh, and firm strategy. But we encourage our uh, presenters to also look at the implications for consumers, for individuals, as well as society at large.
0: Now, Dawn, isn't that part of what the backbone of Fordham Center for Positive Marketing is for. It's not just to teach marketers how to market their products and get us consumers to buy them, but there's another aspect. Can you explain that a little bit? Your center's focus?
1: Yes, you're absolutely right. That is the focus of the center. And and in fact, what we like to say is that in some ways uh, what we're promoting is nothing new. This is marketing in its ideal form. Uh, When we train students, when we train future and current marketers, our faculty focus on the idea that good marketing starts with the needs of the customer or the prospective customer.
0: Which is actually strange. From a customer point of view, we're sort of taught that marketers just basically want to get our money. Am I right? I think that is correct
1: that... that is the general perception or uh, what, what I would say is a misperception about marketing uh, and and marketing's goals and objectives. But trained marketers who have gone through uh, an educational program at a university such as Fordham learn something quite different. The key to good marketing is to start with the customer a prospective customer. Is it possible that a marketer might get us to... Um, and I say us, meaning I'm putting myself now on the on the consumer side, right? Because you
0: shop too, right? Absolutely.
1: <laughs> uh, so, is it possible that a marketer could get us to buy something that we really don't want or need? I think that's a perception or a misperception that's out there. My answer, uh, as a marketing professor and marketing practitioner, would be maybe, maybe maybe once. But if the product or brand is really not beneficial to the end user, uh particularly in a marketplace like ours where there is uh an incredible amount of choice, brand choice, too much I would say, but
0: too much. Why?
1: The latest research in in, uh, consumer psychology suggests that too much choice actually breeds indecision. It makes us more inefficient. Eventually, the, the consumer is going to figure out that there's a better choice for him or her. And so while a marketer may be able to get somebody to buy something that supposedly, uh, or critics might say, he or she doesn't need, um, that's not sustainable. And so good marketing practice starts with the customer, and that's actually what a company needs for a sustainable marketing practice and, and sustainable business
0: growth. So, Luzon, is there a particular research paper that stands out as consumer friendly that will be presented during this uh, conference for positive marketing happening January 15th 14th and 15th
2: Uh yes well we're hoping all of these uh, <laughs> papers are going well, to Well one that stands on out
0: specifically <laughs> for you can you cuz you were you were in charge of looking through some of the papers as the co-chair as one of the co-chairs correct
2: Yes that is correct
0: yes. How many papers did you have to look through wow uh, Many <laughs> <laughs> are we talking 50? Are we talking 100?
2: Uh, yeah, it was over 50 actually. Oh, wow. Um, and we accepted, yeah, the presentations. There'll be, there's going to be about close to 40.
0: 40 presentations. Yes. Anyone in particular or any few in particular topics stand out?
2: Um, Yes, actually, there's a paper that Dawn is presenting with, <laughs> <laughs> with some of our co-authors here at uh, at Fordham. And one of the things I think that they're going to be proposing is that a lot of the research that has been done out there in science has really focused on more what is the benefit of marketing for firms. Now, I, I don't think any of us are saying that that's not important. It is very important because if that wasn't important, we wouldn't have firms uh, who,
0: and by firms you mean companies companies, mm-hmm. yes,
2: um, but it just shouldn't be at the at the cost of the consumer at the cost of society
0: because I'm wondering, is that where the idea that marketers companies are not focused on being beneficial to the person who's actually purchasing whatever it is they're purchasing, whether it be peanut butter or shoes or clothes or soda. Um, I think that might be where the misconception comes. So Dawn, are you saying that consumers are just as important as firms slash companies? I
1: believe that to be true. Uh, but no, that's actually not what the paper is looking at. Our paper's going to look specifically at what uh, marketing researchers are writing about. M- marketing researchers typically publish their studies in academic journals.
0: And these are mostly focused on companies as opposed to consumers. Is that, that correct?
1: That's exactly right. What was so interesting to us is that the American Marketing Association, which puts out um, and, and regularly updates its definition of marketing, despite the fact that they're putting, they put out this definition that focuses on individuals, uh, our hypothesis was that most researchers, when they publish their work, don't actually consider how well marketers are doing uh, at fulfilling those needs. Right? And what we've been finding is our academic journals are really only requiring, and our researchers are really only thinking about how their research contributes to the body of marketing knowledge for the for, for the company's benefit. Right.
0: So why is that? Why why has the consumer been sort of left out of the conversation?
1: Well, I I think in part it goes back to the history of business schools, frankly. For decades business schools have been walking a fine line between being academic institutions in the traditional sense versus serving the serving industry or serving the professions. And after all, what we're doing is in a business school is we're training students uh, to work in very particular professions or very particular functions. So it would make sense from that perspective that we would consider uh, how our research can be used by companies, by managers.
0: This is Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon talking with Dawn Lerman and Luzon Axoy about the Conference for Positive Marketing at Fordham University happening January 14th and 15th. (laughs) (laughs) Luzon, do you want to add on to uh, your opinion as to why it is or why it seems like businesses focus only on companies and not a small people that like to buy stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: I think going back to the business school um, idea, I think that uh, one of the things that uh, students were inculcated with is this idea that the purpose of a business is to make profit. And that's absolutely true. It is to make profit. But the question is, how do you actually make that profit? And a lot of times I think it was interpreted um, by you know, the students who graduated from these schools as meaning something that that's the end and everything justifies the mean to that end. And the mortgage crisis, I think when that happened, this business schools actually took a step back and said, and they were under huge criticism because everybody was pointing to them and saying, you guys are the reason that this happened because, you know, they went to your schools and and they had this idea that profit is the most important thing.
0: Profit um, over people.
2: Profit over people, uh, but I think there's a transformation that's happening, and Fordham has always uh, been—that's the philosophy of the university—is you know ethical decision making, and but it's becoming even more important now uh, for other universities to have a very similar outlook too. And now Harvard is asking their students to take an oath, right? Uh, saying that they will be, uh, they will have to exercise ethical decision making whenever they take the positions of, of executives and managers, and and I think that uh, you know there is a change in the air, and it will continue.
1: Dawn, I agree with Lurzon entirely, and in in some ways we've lost sight of the purpose of business. Business exists to serve society. I think that's part of what Lurzon is talking about when she talks about the means, the means to an end, and. And what is the end, and how did you get there? In fact, David Gauchi, Dean of our Graduate School of Business Education, will be addressing this exact issue at our networking reception uh, on January 14th with a talk entitled Businesses and Noble Profession.
0: So we have the reception on the 14th, and then the research papers uh, presented on the 15th, January 15th. Is that correct? That's correct. Larzan, it seems that customer loyalty is approaching its lowest levels uh, in some of the reading that I've been doing. Uh, But managers continue to sort of, like, ride this loyalty bandwagon to try to make customers loyal at all costs. Why is this, and does it work?
2: Yeah. Um, It's absolutely true that loyalty is at its lowest level today compared to maybe about 50 years ago. And by the way, that's not just consumer loyalty. Um, It's all sorts of loyalty in our life, whether it's employee loyalty or whether it's friends and family, Uh, but consumer loyalty in particular. And the reason is what Don was talking about, which is the amount of options that consumers have today in the marketplace so today we don't actually talk about exclusive loyalty, being loyalty to just one particular brand, because most com- most consumers actually think about it in terms of a portfolio. So if I'm you know talking about a particular category that I purchase, um, I frequently as a consumer will think about all the multiple brands that I use. And there's a reason why consumers use multiple brands. Why? Um, because each of them actually fulfills a different need. Uh, There's a lot of variety-seeking behavior, meaning that we as humans really get bored of drinking the same thing over and over again. Uh, Now... You know, when you think about candies, or when you think about chocolates, or things like that,
1: or restaurants, those I'm are really the categories. I'm always thinking about chocolate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Dawn. Uh,
1: my understanding is that in in soft drinks, particularly when we're talking about Coke versus Pepsi, uh, there you, one does have a lot of a lot of loyalty. Uh, it's in uh, in, in, perhaps in part related to taste, but more likely uh, related to a relationship that consumers have uh, with the brand and what the brand means to them. Uh, but but in in many categories, as Lurzón was pointing out, uh, such as candy, variety t- seeking tends to to take over. This can even happen in the toothpaste category.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, going back to my initial question, managers seem to be focused on. Um, creating this customer loyalty. Am I wrong in saying that?
2: Oh yes, that's what they want. But it's sure. not necessarily
0: <laughs> working. So should they work harder, or should they try to change tactics?
2: Uh huh. Um, there are actually a lot of reasons why uh, it doesn't work. Um, it's
0: it's too too grand. It's too broad. Yeah,
2: there are a lot of things in that. But
0: can you give um, me like a top two?
2: Probably one of the first things that's uh, why these initiatives may not work is because. As you said, they try to actually buy the loyalty of the customer. Um, You know, when you think about uh, these loyalty programs, for instance, that's one of the papers that is being presented uh, as well at at the conference. You know, you call them loyalty programs – But they're not really, most of the programs out there aren't actually focused on creating real loyalty.
0: What's a loyalty program? Uh,
2: Like, for instance, when you think about frequent flyer programs in airlines. Or if you think about, um, you know, the cards that you have at the grocery store. uh, we actually, if we fly multiple airlines, we have cars from multiple yeah
0: that's true, <laughs>
2: multiple institutions so where's the loyalty now right right that 's because loyalty when you think about true loyalty it 's more than just behavior and when you think about defining what actually customer loyalty is there's a component to it that is how do you actually behave? Do you actually buy the product over and over again, and that 's a very important part of it but you know, you can think about products in your own life that you buy over and over again, even though you don't like them.
0: Dawn, you were going to comment on this?
1: Is is loyalty simply repurchase, or is it a commitment, right? Mm. A commitment to buy. So we might repurchase uh, the same brand, buy it over and over again, as you say, uh, because it's uh, convenient. It's the only one available. Uh, we don't have sufficient time for for because somebody else is... is, is has bought it for us, but they keep buying the wrong one. Um, you know, but is but is that loyalty? Um,
0: so the husband I, just buys the toothpaste, <laughs> and you're like, oh, what the I heck is here? It's in exactly, the house, exactly, exactly. <laughs> right? um,
1: but but I would argue, and and I I wouldn't say that I I'm the expert on loyalty that Lurzon is, but I would argue that uh, true loyalty is based on on some commitment, uh, which in a marketing context is going to be A relationship with the brand based on the fact that the brand is actually fulfilling some need that you have. I I would add another point. Um, You and Lurzon were talking about what companies are doing. One of the reasons why we've seen so much brand proliferation, which is something I was talking about before, is because companies realize that consumers engage in variety-seeking behavior, and better to have 10 different flavors of the same product or uh, 15 varieties of, uh, name your brand, toothpaste, and uh, have consumers engage in variety-seeking within the brand Mm, than to do it across brands.
0: Right. So, Lurzon, is there another approach that marketers can use to tap into customer loyalty if this is at a low level?
2: There are little things that you can do. And I actually had um, uh, an article that was just published in the Harvard Business Review that talks exactly about that. Uh, That customers have reasons for why they actually purchase from the competition. And the way that you can win and increase the share of spending that a customer allocates to you as a firm is to give them less reason for using the competition. And while that might seem like it's, uh, duh, it's, it's really...
0: Uh, <laughs> well, give me an example. Give me an example sure. of, of something.
2: Actually, this is a real example. Okay. Uh, and it's a, it's the case that we used. Uh, I can't really tell you what the name of the real client was that okay. we worked with. They say
0: Brand X or Brand Company X. X?
2: Uh-huh. It was a grocery store example. And uh, the customers of this particular grocery store use that grocery store uh, because of all the fresh produce uh, and the high-quality produce. And, uh, you know, organic foods uh, and and things like that. So it's really high quality, and with that came higher prices. So looking at uh, the consumers of this particular grocery store, um, they actually used other grocery retailers as well. Who's um, the they? The consumers of this particular uh, client. Um, so they would use one uh, grocery retailer because of convenience, right? Geographically, mm-hmm. it was close, so that's why I went there. Then there was another competitor that the consumers used, uh, and that was based on uh, deep discounts, deep rotating Mm. discounts. So they would go there at certain intervals and buy on sale. Uh, Typically, what would happen as a firm is they would try to look at their consumers and ask them uh, for this particular grocery store, the high-quality, high-priced store, why do you come to us? And the answer is always going to be the same. It's because your produce is good and, and you're doing a great job with that. But the problem is that's not really helpful hmm. for the company because you're just telling me what I'm good at. you're right. patting me on my back, but you're not really telling me what, what I'm I can not do. doing right <laughs> and exactly. what I need to
0: do to continue to have you come to me, you know grocery store a as opposed to go to grocery store b and C
2: exactly and uh what's interesting is that firms over ninety percent of firms that's exactly what they do when they do research with their customers. They only ask you how happy are you. With my store, and why you're happy with my store, but again, this doesn't really provide much insight to the to the firm and so what this particular uh client did is um looked at why these customers their customers use competitors as well. Now you can't really change your basic proposition right as as this grocery retail you can't suddenly become this cheap priced
0: right you know, no produce quality right <laughs> uh,
2: producer. But what they did do is they found that if they could add in just a certain number of um, grocery items that were lower in price, they could actually pull in a very large segment of the customers that were using their competitors. And that's exactly what they did. And just that little difference actually increased their revenues by about 6%, which translated to several million dollars in profit.
0: Am I asking a silly question? <laughs> Why don't more companies say, hey, what am I not doing?
2: It's, it's about what you get used to doing. It becomes a habit. So once you start doing something as a manager, uh, that's the way you think that things are supposed to be. And especially if all your competition is doing the same thing, you tend to then jump on the bandwagon and say, yeah, that's the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, and you don't actually think about it twice or question that. Uh, until, you know, somebody comes along and uh, and brings forth an idea that sort of challenges that. But it's really about habits. As humans, we're creatures of habit, and, and it's hard to to think out of the box, uh, you know, to take a step back and, and and think out of the box and say, what I'm doing, does it really make sense?
0: Well, does the Center for Positive Marketing have that aspect of teaching when it comes to teaching the next uh, group of business leaders and marketers, Dawn? Absolutely. Our faculty
1: are uh, constantly encouraging our students to question their assumptions, uh, to avoid the kind of uh, tunnel vision that Lurzon is talking about, and to take a broad look at the marketplace. Don't just examine your own customers uh, and your own marketing practices, uh, but always have your radar on for what's going on in the larger marketplace, whether or not you think it's directly relevant to you
0: it seems like there is a new wave of thinking when it comes to marketing marketers and how consumers interact with marketers is that correct
2: yes that would absolutely be correct and i was going to give an example specifically with pepsi i think pepsi is a company that really understands this very well and the reason they understand it is a great example of this is uh, when they look at some of their target customers, um, you know, the, the customers they are going after, uh, one of those groups is the millennial generation.
0: Uh, the millennials are what age to what age?
2: Uh, nobody knows, <laughs> to
1: be honest. Younger than us.
0: Yes. Oh, wait, Generation Xers are what age to what age?
1: Children of the 80s. Yes. Okay, ch- right. so but-
0: Generation Xers are children of the 80s. Right, grew up in the 80s. And millennials are after that?
1: Yes. And one of the things that is uh,
2: very clear about this generation is that they get bored easily and they constantly want change. They want to be entertained. And Pepsi understands this really well. And that's why um, uh, when you think about the research and development that goes into Doritos, the chips, Mm. uh, they actually have people uh, on staff who do research on how to make the chips taste change in your mouth. Wow. So that when you put it in your mouth, you actually get a different sensation. And as you eat it, you get, you know, th- that sensation changes. So in line with that same thing, you know, it's it's not really, when you think about the chips, it's no longer just a food. Right. It's actually entertainment now. And
0: an experience. An
2: experience. And not only that, they had uh, Rihanna, who is apparently the... One the of R&B the top- singer. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> one of the top celebrities who this particular uh, group uh, likes. Pepsi commissioned a video uh, with her, uh, the song, and uh, that particular song was filmed in day and night. So during the day, she would wear day clothes, and the night, she would wear night clothes, and the, the customer could take the chips package, log on to the website, and if they would hold the chips package in a vertical versus horizontal, Rihanna would start changing
1: the mode in which she sang. Wow. So she would go from day to night. The Doritos example is a great one because what Pepsi is doing, as Larzon pointed out, is taking a look at uh, their customer base and really what makes them tick. But beyond that, PepsiCo is giving something to their customer base that goes beyond the product itself, goes beyond material goods. And the latest research suggests that it's actually not the accumulation of products and brands that um, makes us happy in the long run it's experiences mm-hmm. mm. and as Larzon was pointing out this is now, Doritos is now an experiential brand
0: I was doing a little research and found an article in Advertising Age, the title kind of shocked me it says, marketers rate below politicians and bankers on a, res- on a respectability scale so I have to ask, why do marketers get such a bad rap
1: First, I'll I'll say that the the study is very disturbing, and it it, it um, <coughs> uh, marketers should find well, it. Well, it's disturbing the
0: marketers. I thought it was funny.
1: Yeah. <laughs> well, but mar- actually, what's 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 I think even more disturbing um, is that. Uh, according to the study, only 35% of marketing partic- uh, practitioners who responded to the survey deemed their own profession right. valuable. Right, that's
0: something else. It was an interesting point that people who were actually in marketing didn't see themselves as respectable. Right. <laughs> so I think that says something, huh? All right. So <laughs> I,
1: so I think that there, and I think there are a few reasons for that, and we could, we could talk about. Well, what are
0: some of them, Dawn? What, well, do, what do you think are some of them?
1: I, I, we could talk about the study itself and how it was conducted. It was conducted with a thousand uh, respondents across. Three countries: the United States, China, and Japan. If I'm not wrong, I believe about a third of the respondents were marketers themselves. So this this really isn't a big uh, sample size, especially when one considers uh, the fact that this was done across three different cultures with three different understandings, presumably cultural understandings.
0: Because numbers are important, you know. You 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 see something like this, and you think it's all marketers think bad about themselves, but the numbers are important that it's a small percentage.
1: Absolutely. But it
0: still is a percentage, so why is it that someone in, in marketing would think so low of themselves? Why?
2: Um, I think that one of the reasons why this is happening is because uh, of the very short span that you see uh, of CMOs. So when you actually look at CMO? how long chief marketing officers at companies stay on the job. It's somewhere I think it was 3 years a couple of years ago and now it's like down to almost 2 years. So, what happens when that when when you reduce that to 2 years? It's actually affecting the decisions that they make.
0: Oh. Because
2: if you're a chief marketing officer and you know that you have about 2 to 3 years to make an impact, What's going to be the decision you're going to make? You're going to be very short-term focused. You're going to be focused on making decisions that are going to make you money and increase your revenue right now as opposed to things that are maybe more long-term focused that, you know, what Don was talking about, consumer well-being and things like that.
1: I would add that that's uh, another reason why Salman Amin of Pepsi is so deserving of this award. Pepsi is, is focusing uh, as, as much as it possibly can on longer-term issues.
0: So the Center for Positive Marketing at Fordham University's conference, the awards and networking reception is January 14th. The academic presentation is January 15th. So where can we find out more about the Conference for Positive Marketing that's happening at Fordham?
1: On our website at www.centerforpositivemarketing.org. We have the programs for uh, each of the uh, two days. Uh, up on our website, and listeners can register uh, online through our website. Advanced registration is required.
0: This has been Fordham Conversations on 90.7 WFUV. I'm Robin Shannon. Stay tuned for George Bodarkey and Cityscape. That's up next.